Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 226 of The Informed Catholic. Episode 226 of The Informed Catholic. We are now in the uh, fourth week of Advent. We just went by past the fourth Sunday of Advent. So now I'm going to do the readings for Monday uh, of the fourth week of Advent. Before we begin, please subscribe and share to my podcast channel. It'll be a great help. Uh, tell your friends, tell you know people that would probably and hopefully enjoy this. It would help my podcast grow, and it will let Anchor, Spotify, those are the two uh, I produce my podcast through, and it will let all the other podcast platforms know that people actually enjoy this podcast channel, and it would uh get distributed and more people will be able, be able to come across it so now we got that out of the way let's begin with uh, our advent prayer let's open up with the act of penance we're going to do the readings i confess to almighty god and to you my brothers and sisters that i have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what i have done and what i have failed to do through my fault through my fault through my most grievous fault Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Elysion. Kiri Elysion. Kiri Elysion. Christe Elysion. Christe Elysion. Christe Elysion. Kiri Elysion. Okay, so um, let's also begin with our Advent prayer that we've been doing. Be comforted, be comforted, my people. Your salvation comes quickly. Why with grief are you consumed? For sorrow has stricken you. I will save you, fear not, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. Drop to you heavens from above, and let the clouds rain the just one. O God, who gladdens us by the annual expectation of our redemption, grant that we, who now receive with joy your only begotten Son, our Redeemer, may behold him without fear when he comes as our judge. Even the same Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so uh, we got, we are now in uh, December 21st. We just did the readings for Sunday. Yes, I remember. Oh, the lady at Mass got the, the first readings mixed up. <laughs> it's okay. It happens sometimes. All right. Entrance uh, Antiphon from Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. The Lord and ruler will be coming soon, and his name will, will, will be called Emmanuel, because he will be God with us. And the prayer. Hear in kindness, O Lord, the prayers of your people, that those who rejoice at the coming of our only begotten Son in our flesh may, may, when at last he comes in glory, gain the reward of eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All right, let me go back and read it one more time. Entrance Antiphon, the Lord and ruler will be coming soon and his name will be called Emmanuel, because he will be God with us. <clears throat> Hear in kindness, O Lord, the prayers of your people, that those who rejoice at the coming of, our, of your only begotten Son in our flesh may, when at last he comes in glory, gain in the reward of eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, the first reading is from uh, Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 8 to 14. 
Hark, my lover comes springing across the mountains. A reading from the Song of Songs. Hark, my lover, here he comes, springing across the mountains, leaping across the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Here he stands behind our wall, gazing through the window, peering through the curtains. My lover speaks, he says to me, Arise, my beloved, my dove, my beautiful one, and come. For see, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. The flower appears on the earth. The time of pruning the vines has come. And the song of the dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vine in bloom gives forth fragrance. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. O oh, my dove, in the cliffs of the rock, in the secret recesses of the cliff. Oh, sorry, the pages are stuck here. Let me see you. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and you are lovely. Word of the Lord, thanks be to God. And one more time, I'll read it again. A reading from the Song of Songs. Hark, my lover, here he comes, springing across the mountains, leaping across the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Here he stands behind your wall, gazing through the window, peering through the window. My lover speaks, he says to me, Arise, my beloved, peering through the curtains. My lover speaks, he says to me, Arise, my beloved, my dove, my beautiful one, and come. For see, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. The flower appears on the earth. The time of pruning the vines has come, and the song of the dove is, is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its fig, and the vines in bloom give forth the fragrance. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. O oh, my dove, in the cliffs of the rock, in the secret recesses of the cliff, let me see you, let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet, and you are lovely. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. It's interesting, um, the supposed the rabbis weren't too sure if they wanted to put the Song of, Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, as it's often called, into the Hebrew canon, because it has a very risque uh, sort of, um, what do you call it, tone. Uh, it speaks, it's a, it's a love letter from a lover to a beloved. Uh, hark, my lover, here he comes, springing across the mountains, leaping across the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Here he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through. I replaced the word lettuces with the word curtains, because technically it means the same thing. Uh, the classic word for curtains were uh, uh, lettuces, like the lettuce, because the it's very thin. Uh, it can be peeled away, uh, and technically it's the same term, but, you know, a lot of people don't use those terms for window curtains, but that's what it means. Um my lover speaks, he says to me, Arise, my beloved, my dove, my beautiful one, and come. It's speaking of God speaking to Israel as his bride, as we often heard. The writer here is using a romantic um, tone. He's putting a romantic stage, as you can say, um, He's just, he's describing the relationship of God 
and with Israel. In this case, the church, the church sees sees the for, this seizes the foreshadowing of Christ and and his bride because Jesus often used the bridegroom and the bride and he's always used the wedding feast of the lamb remember like in the book of revelation it's the same thing so over here the writer the 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 the, the prophet is using or if it's if you can say it's Solomon yes he's using the tone it's basically a foreshadowing of that relationship okay uh, arise my beloved my dove my beautiful one we use the word dove and beautiful one kind of like the holy spirit a short foreshadowing of the sanctification of the holy spirit free for see the winter is past and the rains are over and gone the flower appears on the earth the time of pruning the vines has come how often Jesus has said, you are the vine, I am the vine keeper. How many times he's used the term, the time of pruning, the time of the harvest has come. When the souls will be collected, when the, it has reached its peak, the, soul, the, the souls will be collected for heaven. Then he uses another one. And the song of the dove is heard in our land. And it continues, okay? The flower appears on the earth, the time of pruning, the vines has come. Time for pruning the vines has come. The song of the dove is heard in our land. The, song, the, the sound of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is heard everywhere. Uh, in, inspiring all the people to preach the word of God. And then the fig tree puts forth its figs. Remember this fig tree in the New Testament? God, our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, our God, goes up to a fig tree to see if there's any figs. There was in time the figs, and he curses the fig tree. Uh, sometime later, that fig tree withered and died because it's a symbol of Israel, and because Israel refused to produce, to produce uh, figs, even if it's not its time, it should have been, because the Lord has come, it should have produced figs, but it wasn't its time. You know, they did not recognize their Messiah. And so, in time, to put the, the fig tree puts forth figs, and the vines in bloom give forth fragrance. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. Oh, come. Oh, oh my dove, in the cliffs of the rock, in the secret recesses of the cliff, the secret recesses of your soul. Your soul should be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let me see you. Let me hear your, your voice, for your voice is sweet and you are lovely. You should, you know, we as the believers should be producing prayer. We should be praying even in these tough times, these, these trying times. These trying times need to produce prayer. Prayer for sanctification, praying for our family, praying for our own salvation, praying for our friend's salvation, praying for the church's conversion, praying for the conversion of the priests, praying for the conversion of the bishops and clergy and the cardinals and the pope. Yes, even the pope needs conversion. Okay, no one is beyond falling into sin. No one is beyond it. Even if our priests are consecrated clergy with consecrated hands, they can still fall into sin. The problem is, is we have become weak. We've stopped praying. We stopped believing. We turned our gospel into a social justice gospel where we don't believe in sin. All right. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's the lay person or the priest or the pope or the any other one. Even even I've heard the other day two Franciscans on YouTube. They they've fallen into it, falling into this social justice nonsense, where they even are talking for the possibility of women becoming priests. You know because of the fact. You know, it's a stupid thing. I'm not going to get into it right now. But the fact is, the 
there, everyone has their place. Everyone can become a saint. Everyone should be holy. And this is where it should, you know, this is the problem. It, everyone is open to holiness. All right, men and women, we're all equal before the Lord. But we all have our place. And that's important to understand that. But we all should be praying. All are equal before God, but not all have equal places. Okay, that's just the way it is. Okay, I'll get to this another time. But this here is that we all get salvation. We all get a chance, a chance at it. And this is, this is the, we all get an opportunity to be holy. And that's what we have to remember. All right, now let's go into the responsorial psalm. It's from Psalm 33, and the response is, Exult you just in the Lord, sing to him a new song. Exult you just in the Lord, sing to him a new song. Exult you just in the Lord, and sing to him a new song. Give thanks to the Lord on, on the harp, with the ten-string lair, chant his praises. Sing to him a new song. Pluck the strings skillfully with shouts of gladness. Exult you just in the Lord. Sing to him a new song. But the plan of the Lord stands forever. The design of his heart through all generations. Bless the nation whose God is the Lord and the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. Exult you just in the Lord. Sing a, new, sing a song to him, a new song. Our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield. For in him our hearts rejoice. In his holy name we trust. Exult you just in the Lord. Sing to him a new song. Let's look at this. Again, let's read the whole psalm without stopping, without the stance. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With his ten-string lair, chant his praises. Sing to him a new song. Pluck the strings skillfully when shouts of gladness, with shouts of gladness. But the plan of the Lord stands forever, the design of his heart through all generations. Bless the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who has chosen, who he, who he has chosen, for his own inheritance, our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield. For in him our heart rejoices. In his holy name we trust. All right, let's go to the um, Alleluia Antiphon. Alleluia, Alleluia, Emmanuel our King and Giver of Law. Come to save us, Lord our God. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. How does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out in those days and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judea, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you, to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read it one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to, to, to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Mary set out in those days and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judea where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, uh, 
when Mary's greeting, uh, greeting, greeting, sorry, lost my place. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my, in my womb lived for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord will be fulfilled. Okay. <clears throat> it's this, we know the story, but we also should understand exactly what does this mean. The problem here is that we are living in the time now where I've noticed. I don't even, I mean, think about it. If a lot of people doubt, if we, remember the time when we heard the Pew Research that many Catholics don't believe in the real presence. If they don't believe in the real presence, then what does that say about the incarnation? That God coming in the flesh, what does that say? And if we don't believe in the incarnation, then maybe we don't believe that we're created in the image and likeness of God because it's all connected. See, Protestants doubt the real presence. But if you doubt the real presence, then how much do you believe in the incarnation? In the word becoming flesh, the logos, the second person of the Trinity. Do you believe in that? Because you, if you don't believe in the real presence, and it's in the gospel, John chapter 6, then maybe you don't believe in, in the incarnation. And if you don't believe in the incarnation, then do you even believe that God made humanity in his image, that God made man in his image? Then that means you don't believe in anything of the New, of the New Testament gospel. Maybe you don't even believe that Christ died for your sins. Now, people would say, well, no, not necessarily. A lot of Protestants don't believe in the real presence, but they do believe that Jesus died for their sins. But it's all connected. The point is, do you really believe it? The point is, it's the reality, the reality of it. Mary went to Elizabeth. Both Elizabeth and Mary were told that they are going to have children. Elizabeth, an older woman, believed so strongly because she her she was blessed by God that she was going to be a mother in her old age. But notice her words when she saw Mary. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Those are the words we take. We took Gabriel's words, hail full of grace. Elizabeth's words, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, which is part of the stand, the 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 prayers of the of the Hail Mary. All right, Elizabeth knew who who Mary is, who Mary was carrying in her womb. The mother of my Lord should come to me. Mary knew. I mean, Elizabeth knew of the incarnation. I'm sorry. Elizabeth knew of the incarnation. Elizabeth knew of the incarnation. She knew full well of the incarnation that was in Mary's womb. It added more, more to Elizabeth's joy. The meaning of all this the meaning of what was happening here. That the incarnation, that humanity, the universe was changing. Okay. Elizabeth knew. She got, and we're not even told. This was off stage, if you notice. 
Zechariah was the one that the angel appeared to him, and Zechariah failed to believe. And then suddenly, sometime between Zechariah's, um, the, 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 um, Gabriel's visit to Zechariah and the visitation, the, um, the angel Gabriel visiting our blessed mother, our lady, the revelation was revealed to Elizabeth and it was off stage, off stage of the, of, of the new Testament. Luke didn't even bother to write it for some reason. But she knew, and she believed. She was practically waiting at the door, at the at her door, for for Mary to come. The Holy Spirit spoke to her, and she knew, she knew, she knew the revelation uh, to Mary. So, this is this is something that's very very important for all of us to understand. That the incarnation is 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 a monumental thing, Luke's gospel. But also, it's important for us Catholics to understand. In order for this incarnation to be to 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 be constant, there has to be a real presence, a belief in the real presence, and we have to believe in the real presence. If we don't believe in it, then everything else means nothing, and we as Catholics are, you know, are failing our mission are failing our mission of salvation. We are given a, a fantastic responsibility and we need to believe we should be also just not an incarnational people, but a real presence people. A constant belief, a constant faith in the real presence is necessary in order to make our mission more meaningful and more true. We have to believe in the real presence. All right, we have to believe that the Eucharist is true. That what we receive in our body, our soul, body, and divinities. And I hate to say this, but this is starting to show, our weakness in this is starting to show at Mass. The priests are failing to do their job. The bishops are failing to do their job. The Pope, I hate to say this, I'm going to say this as a Catholic, is also because the fact that he's shutting down Christmas Eve services, and he's spending more time with earthly princes. All right, because it's starting to show. A lot of people are starting to realize this. All right, there's this constant obsession with our clergy to please earthly rulers, the governors, the the secretary of states, the the attorney generals, the the mayors, rather than to please God. It's sad. Okay, we're gonna get back to the um, the day Christ was born reading. Okay, the day Christ was born by Jim Bishop. So I went back a little further, so we can stretch it out. It's a very short um, book, and I wanna try to reach try to make it in uh stretch to christmas eve so let's begin joseph had run out of prayers and promises his face was sick his eye lit litless he looked up toward the east his dark eyes merited a strange thing three stars coming over the mountains of moab were fused into one tremendously bright one his eyes caught the glint of bright blue light, almost like a tiny moon, and he wondered about it, and was still vaguely troubled by it when he heard a tiny, thin wail, a sound so slender that one had, had to listen again for it to make sure. He wanted to rush inside at once. He got to his feet, moved in a little further. She would call him. He would wait. Yes, he would wait. Joseph paced up and down, not realizing that men had done this very thing for centuries before he was born and would continue, continue it many centuries after he is gone. Joseph, he heard the sound of his name. It was soft call, but he heard it. At once, he picked up the second jar of water 
and hurried inside. Two lamps still shed soft glow over the stable, even though it seemed years since they had been lighted. The first thing he noticed was his wife. Mary was sitting in a tailor fashion with her back against the manger wall. Her face was clean. Her hair had been brushed. There were blue hollows under her eyes. She smiled at her husband and nodded. Then she stood. She beckoned him to come closer. Joseph's mouth agape followed her to a little manger. It had been cleaned. But when the animals had but where the animals had nipped the edge of the wood, the borders were worn and splintered in the manger where the broad bolts of white swaddling clothes she had brought with her on the trip. They were doubled underneath and over the top they were doubled underneath and over the top of the baby. Mary smiled at her husband as he bent far over to look. There among the clothes he saw the tiny red face of an infant. This, Joseph said to himself, is the one whom the angel spoke. He dropped to his feet beside the manger. This was the Messiah, the Christ. Down in the valley, a sheep huddled, huddled with the sheep against the chill. The shepherds sat in a circle, dozing. Their herds wandered by, up and down, in the grasslands of Judea. Always edging closer to Jerusalem, the big markets for sheep. Those without blemish were brought and bought on a good, with a good price as a sacrificial animals for the temple. The others were sold for shearing and for food. The people of the town scorned the shepherds. They were wanderers. They had no roots. They seldom married, and when they did, they stripped the soil from the hillsides, exposing the soft white rock beneath. The men carved apartments in these hills and raised their families remote from the towns. Some were dozing, a few were watching. When the deep night sky was split with light, it was brighter than day, more like staring at, staring at the noon sun, and the sleeping shepherds awakened in fear. They hid their eyes in the folds of their garments. A few moments the intense light faded, and an angel appeared in bodily form, standing in the air over the valley. The herders were terrified, and their sheep began to run in tight circles. Do not fear, the angel said slowly and softly, and the words seemed to echo off both sides of the valley of Bethlehem. Some of the men looked, uh, took heart and looked up with fear. Some were too afraid. Listen, the angel said. I am bringing you good news of great joy, which is in store for the whole nation. Good news. This would make any Jew open his eyes and lift them to the skies. They had been afraid of the justice and vengeance of God for centuries. They had worshipped carefully and with respect for all the nuances of their rituals for fear that God might be displeased and visit unhappiness upon their people. Now, good news? They looked up, hopefully, and the angel spoke again. The voice seemed to permeate and echo throughout the whole valley. A Savior, the angel said, who is the Lord Messiah, who is born to you today in David, David's town. This will serve you as a token. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and cradled in a manger. The shepherds repeated the words, A Savior. Lord, the Lord Messiah, David's town, an infant in a manger. 
There was nothing frightening in that news. The angel had spoken, if the angel had spoken correctly, it was good news. It was the, it was better than good news. It was the long-awaited news. It was the thing which had been promised by God a long time ago. It was the advent of him who would save the people of the world. One more time. It was the advent of him who would save the people of the world. The dark brown eyes of the shepherd studied the angel and saw the gleaming light on the sheep and the rocky sides of the hills, and they knew they were not sleeping. This thing was happening. It was really happening to lonely, despised men in a valley beneath Bethlehem. They were still dwelling on the wonders of God and his works when the angel was joined by a hundred of other angels, heavenly hosts who appeared brightly in the night sky and began to sing in a heavenly choir, Glory to God in the heavens above and on earth peace to men of goodwill. Slowly, the angels flooded across the sky and disappeared. The shepherds approached each other in the darkness and asked, What did you see? Did you hear as I heard? Is it true? The Son of God has come to save the twelve tribes of Israel. You are sure that this is not the work of some evil Egyptian magician who would steal our flocks? They babbled for a while, and one said, Listen, let us go over to Bethlehem and find out the truth about this thing the Lord has made known to us. Always in times of crisis, the shepherds delegated a few of their number to guard the sheep. This time, in a high excitement, they left in a group confident that in this moment of ecstasy, God would not permit their sheep to stray. They moved across the dark valley, grassy dark valley, and up the sides of the hills, climbing and walking and wondering. The oldest shepherds were certain that this was not a hoax. All Jews were good scriptural students, and because there was no common books, they memorized all their teachings about God. He had promised the Savior, and the Great One would come of the house of David. This would be Bethlehem. The aspect which mystified all the shepherds was that the birth of the Messiah was undignified. One could not imagine the Son of God being born in a stable. It had been said by the elders that when the Savior comes to earth, he would be expected on a great white cloud, sitting in August kingliness, listening to the trumpets and songs of hosts of angels surrounding his throne as he rules over the heavens and the earth. Tonight, the angels seem to be... Tonight, the angels seemed to be an afterthought. It was as though his birth had been so insignificant, so humble, that the angels had to come down to summon a few lonely men to go to the stable and worship him. A stable. God in a stable. Could he not at least have been born in a great palace of someone like Herod the Great? Or perhaps the Holy of Holies or of the great temple of Herod? A manger? The angels said they understood the words. It meant a sort of thorough out of which animals ate grain. It would have, it would have the sweet odor of old oats and barley. And the sides would be chewed and chipped. A salt cake would lie in the bottom. <clears throat> the shepherds reached the top of the immense and walked among the dozing pilgrims of Bethlehem, asking where the Messiah might be found. Most of the men turned away from them in silence. A few asked, what, the, what Messiah? The shepherds asked, if anyone has seen the angels. What angels? Some of the wayfarers were very annoyed and rude. They asked the shepherds if they had been if they become mad through too much wine. Abuse was not unbearable 
or new to the to the herders. They have been they have known it before many years. Patiently they continued their rounds, asking here and there, and finally confining their questions to this Where can we find a newborn baby in this town? Someone told them to try the inn. The innkeepers the innkeeper who was exhausted with all his labors remembered the young man and a pregnant young lady going to the cave beneath the inn. The shepherds approached timidly. They moved down the path in their sandals, whispering. And as they approached the lighted-up cave, they crouched, and they decided to cough, sort of to give the sound of respectfully letting the, letting someone who was dwelling to know that Strangers were approaching. Joseph came out. He heard them. He studied them solemnly without rancor. And the leaders told them that they had been given a sign by angels in the valley. And one angel has said that the Messiah had been born this night in the town of David. They had, well, if it wasn't too soon, they had come to worship him. The Lord Messiah. Mary heard and told Joseph to permit the men to come in. Joseph had some tools in his hand. His spouse told him that the nights would be too cold to permit the infant to travel travel until after his circumcision. They would have to continue to live in the stable for eight days. Joseph had gone down, had gone down into town and awakened the carpenter and explained his circumstances. Now he had tools with the permission of the owner of the inn he was using the sides of the stalls to build a small, almost private room for Mary and the baby. The shepherds came in, their cows down off their heads. Their hair was long and wrangled. The beards trembled with mummers of prayers. Their hands were clasped piously before their chest. And the flickering yellow light of the oil lamp they saw the child mother mary seated on straw she was looking over the side of an old manger the men lifted themselves a little on their toes to peer over the sides inside was an abundance of white swaddling clothes with an aura of light that seemed to radiate from it without looking up Mary, the mother, knew that they are trying to see her precious baby. So she struck a finger into the white cloth and pulled it away from the infant's face. The men looked with mouths open and they fell to their knees. They adored the baby and thanked him for coming to save the nation. They recited some of the formal prayers. Joseph, standing aside, was amazed that so many strangers now knew the great secret. The shepherds were torn between wonderment and happiness. This little baby was God and the Son of God, but he was also a helpless, lovable infant. Their hearts welled with joy and stern. Deeply bronzed faces kept melting into big grins, which were quickly erased as the, sh the, sh the shepherd men recalled that they were in the presence of the king of all kings. The scene in a chilly cave manger, warmed by the bodies and breathing of the animals, was to the shepherds closer to their hearts than if the Messiah had come on a big cloud with, a, with trumpets and angels. They understood babies, and they understood animals, and they murmured with delight that God would see fit to come to earth in, a, in an abode only slightly less worthy than their own homes in the hills. They remained kneeling, clasping and unclasping their hands, and staring at the face of the infant, as though trying to, to etch on their memories the peaceful scene the tiny, ruddy face, the serenity of the mother who
who by the grace of God had had her baby without pain. They were men of such poverty and humility that their colored threadbare cloaks spoke more eloquently than their tongues. Their adoration came from all from full from full hearts. If it was any wonderment in Mary's heart, she did not show it. After a while the shepherd stood, and in the manner of the Jews apologized for intruding. They addressed their remarks to Joseph because to speak to Mary would have been immodest. They asked Joseph if he had seen the angels, and he said no. They related all that had happened to them in the valley. Joseph shook his head. Mary nodded toward the sleeping baby, as though she and her, and he alone understood this was only the first of many great world events. The shepherds left, praising God, and in their joy awakening people to tell them that the promised Messiah had come. Everything they said had been revealed exactly as the angel in the sky had said it would be. Most of their audience ordered them to go to go in peace. Thus, if one can say that the, the place of birth was a small humble, a place of animals and, and odors, then one can also say that the first apostles were the most humble and scorned of men. The Shepherds of Bethlehem. <clears throat> okay, let's continue. On the same night, a bright star appeared in the eastern sky. It came up majestically over the rim of the world and could be plainly seen through the trees of a forest in a mirror of a quiet, of a quiet lake, a blue pearl over a tawny desert, a gem of hope for, far at sea. It was seen by many and marked by few. The star came up blue-white in the orderly orbit of the heavens, and it seemed so large it shed blue shafts of radiance. Three of the men who studied it was Gaspar, Malchior, and Balthazar. They were rich Persians in the southeast. They regarded the new star in the east and stroked their beards. They were wise men scholars who were, who were referred to as the Magi and who were known in Persia as philosophers, scientists, astrologers, followers of Zoroastrianism, a creed which fought the worship of graven idols and believed that there was, there was but one God for all men. The Magi were excited about the star. It had two phases of interest for them. One was the physical, where where did the star come from, and why had, why had it not appeared in the night sky before? The other was the symbolic. What message was the star trying to convey? The three wise men pondered these things and could come to no agreement on the first premise. One argued that it was not really a star, but a rare conjunction of two or more stars. This could not be so, second, the second said, because if, if it were, their paths having converged would soon part, and would, they would be seen as separate stars. A third said that the star was really an unknown comet, appearing brilliantly in the eastern sky, and doomed quickly to pass from view. Whether it was several stars, or a planet, or in conjunction, or whether it was a fiery body without a visible tail, the star had special meaning. They were sure of this. They consulted some of the old astrological predictions and found nothing that would fit this situation. They tried some of the old Greek and Persian tracts but found nothing which might apply. It wasn't until they went over the ancient Jewish scriptures that the wise men saw the true meaning of the big star. There was an old prophecy of Balaam, which said, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not now, but not near. A star shall rise out of Jacob, and the scepter shall spring up from Israel. The star then would mean that a savior of the Jews had been born. Malachi agreed that if the star could not 
be explained in any natural manner. This interpretation was important to the Jews. Oh no, said Balthazar, more than the Jews, because Balaam the prophet, who uttered the words near the end of the forty years wandering, was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. In fact, the words according to Scripture had been said in the mountains of Moab, east of Israel, toward Persia. If so, said Kaspar, then the fact that the star had been seen by Persians and properly interred by men would have an exciting meaning for the entire world. It was possible that the Messiah had come to save not only the Jews, but the Medes, the Assyrians, the Romans, the Babylonians, the savages, farther to the east. At once the three men left their tents and determined to follow the star. They packed food, water, and especially trappings of rich philosophers, and started out on, an, on camels to find the place of the king of kings. None of them expected to reach the dest distant destination in one night, and there was some disagreement among them about whether the star would appear again on the following night so that its path could be traced. Toward dawn, the big star was pale to the western sky, and they turned their slow, plodding camels toward it. They moved across the sands of the desert with the rising sun behind them, and they pitched their tents day, uh, tents by day and mounted again when the evening sky turned deep blue and the star came up again, a brazen gem winking along the rim of the sky and the earth. Okay, I'll stop here. That was a very, um, I say it was very beautiful. I like the way he's writing it, and I'm glad he put the part in. I've noticed um, that she gave birth without pain. I know some movies, um, a lot of people find that hard to believe, but the fact remains is they don't understand the theology of what it means. First of all, all of us, all most of humanity is conceived in sin. And so, therefore, much because of our captivity to sin means that there's going to be a lot of pain. And the result of it is the maladies that we suffer, violence, disease, uh, old age. Um, at the same time, we suffer emotional, mental these, all these things that we have, all these things, according to the church fathers, is the result of sin. And even the result of, let's say, sadly, deformities or um, maladies that were born at birth that we all suffer from. It's, that's the belief. It's the belief because, you know, sin sin through the centuries and we saw that we see this in the book of noah i mean the story of noah there was violence upon the earth war is the result of sin all the effects of sin violence like i said everything is the result of sin this pandemic that we're suffering from that's caused the whole world is the result of sin and nobody wants to admit it all right, <clears throat> abortion is sinful. It's violence, violence against life. But human beings, they want to believe that it's a right, a choice, a human right. Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. That's the result of it, right? It's the result of it. Um, the sexual perversions, the sexual things, homosexuality, LGBT rights, transgenderism, having children go through reconstructive surgery to become male or female is a result, is sinful. It's sinful. And therefore, because we call evil good and good evil, there is going to be, we're going to suffer the results. And one of them, they can call it climate change all they want, is result of the evil of sin. 
Sin is going to come, is going to, is, our sins are going to cause so much pain and so much evil and so much violence and so much unhappiness. <clears throat> it's going, we're going to suffer the effects of it, whether we like it or not. And we could try all we can to call it, you know, you can call it all you want, um, a human right. You could say, you know, you can even say what I'm saying is hurtful, mean, and hateful. It's not. The point is, all right, we, our sins, our passions, our lusts, our selfishness is going to have an effect in the world around us. Whether we like it or not, we're going to suffer from it. And we are suffering from it now. All right, 9-11 is a result of sin. Okay, uh, <clears throat> everything, uh, wars, economic crashes, everything that we hold on to as dear and we worship, pornography is going to cause more problems in our world. Sex trafficking is going to cause problems in our world. Suppression of the church, suppression of the faith, suppression of the gospel okay, is going to cause more, more evil because we are calling upon evil to come upon us. All right, the priests, the sexual molestations, the abuses, the scandals is going to cause greater punishment upon us. Whether we like it or not, it's going to happen. You know, uh, the cover-up, the sexual cover-up, is going to result with, with, with our Lord sending punishment upon us. Whether we like it or not, we, because we refuse to confess our sins, because we refuse to repent of them, the result is going to happen. This, these results are going to happen. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to stop here. I'm going to, let's start with a prayer. I'm going to end it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory now and forever. Amen. Okay, so let's say our... Uh, our novena to Our Lady of Lourdes, O ever immaculate virgin, mother of mercy, health of the sick, refuge of sinners, comforter of the afflicted, you know my wants, my troubles, and my sufferings. Cast upon me a look of mercy by appearing in the grotto of Lourdes. You were pleased to make it a privileged sanctuary where you dispense your favors and where many suffer sufferers have obtained the cure of their infirmities both spiritual and corporal. I come, therefore, with the most unbounded confidence to implore your maternal intercession. Obtain, O loving mother, the granting of my request through gratitude for, you, uh, for favors. I will endeavor to imitate your virtues that I may one day share your glory. Amen. Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. St. Bernadette, pray for us. Novena to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayers. As your children, we implore your intercession with Jesus, your Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today, especially, and here we make our private intentions. <clears throat> We are comforted in knowing your heart, knowing your heart is ever open to those who ask for your prayer. We trust to your gentle care and intercession, those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life and peace with God forever and ever. Amen. Immaculate Heart. Of Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, and uh, I'll be back again for Tuesday's readings. So God bless and stay well.